You're listening to Following the Way, a podcast devoted to the examination of Scripture and Christ-centered practices to help us live in devotion to the way of Jesus. Hello and welcome once again. So good to be together, my friends. And wherever you are, uh, whatever time of day it is, as you're listening to this or watching this, I want to welcome you. It's it's good to be together. And if you're watching on YouTube, I want to invite you, if you haven't already, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the little notification bell there that will alert you when we post new material. We'd love if you could do that. And uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, I want to encourage you to spread the word, uh, share our podcasts, let people know. Uh, it's a way that um, that we can serve one another in following the way of Jesus. So for the last couple of days here on this podcast, we were looking at uh, some specific passages in the book of John. I've been reading through the book of John and again, just immensely enjoying this gospel. And I want to look at something out of John 6. Now, John 6, if you're familiar with it, is the uh, chapter where Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. And so there's, that's obviously a very familiar um, verse. And, and so that's maybe what we focus on when we think of John 6. And, and certainly uh, that we should. But just before Jesus makes that statement in John 6, there's this conversation that goes on between him and the crowds that have followed him. And I want to unpack that because I was reading it this week or last week. And as I was reading it, I thought, I realized something, the Holy Spirit impressed something upon me that I, I hadn't looked at it in that way before and, and realized some of what was going on in the dialogue there with Jesus and the people. And want to maybe give some backstory to this because it's important for us to understand the context. So John 6 starts out with Jesus has fed the 5,000 uh, people, well, 5,000 men and along with women and children. So phenomenal, astounding miracle. After that, Jesus and the disciples are tired. He makes them get into a boat to go across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. Jesus goes up on a mountainside to pray, to meet with his father. Sees later in the night, sees the disciples struggling, comes to them walking on the water. So just this amazing interaction between him and his disciples. And the next morning or the next day, the crowds they see that Jesus and his disciples are no longer there. They knew that Jesus didn't get into the boat with his disciples. And so they make their way to Capernaum at, to see where what's going on with Jesus. And they, they find him there. And that's where we come to verse 25 in John 6. And this is the dialogue that happens. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So, Again, they, they know that Jesus didn't get into the boat with the disciples. So they're, they're, they're inquiring, like, what, what's going on here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God, has the Father, has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Now I want to, I want to stop there and pause and unpack this conversation that Jesus is having here. And it gets a little bit testy and a little bit confrontational with the people. They, they want to know where Jesus was. And Jesus even says, the reason you're seeking me is because you just want me to do more of the miracle that I already did. You just want more food. And, and Jesus gets very direct with them. And I, and I want to um, talk about this with the idea that I think what Jesus is getting at here is the issue of self-reliance in the hearts of the people and why they're seeking Jesus. The crowds are looking to Jesus to serve their needs. And I want to put forth that this is actually a picture of the Western church as we've been in for a long time, where we are looking to Jesus or for Jesus to fit into our Western consumeristic mindsets. And as long as he fits in with that, as long as Jesus can give us what we want and he fits within the framework of our lives and what we're comfortable with and and what we want for our lives and the comfort that we want, as long as he fits into what suits us, which is cultural Christianity. But when that happens, then then we're good with Jesus. And I want to put forth that in um, over a wide array, a wide swath of the Western church, this is where we've been at for a long time. And when this happens with the people, and this is where what I think we need to see is when this happens with the crowds here, Jesus doesn't shy away from confronting them where they're at. He says, don't get caught up working for or focused on or set on, if you will, the food that perishes. So he's using that as a metaphor for life. The temporal pursuits don't get caught up in just the stuff that I can give you what you want, the stuff that's that's here today, gone tomorrow. Be careful about that. He says, rather focus on the food, again, using this metaphor, that endures to eternal life. He says, which I will give you. And at this point, as Jesus says this to the crowd in verse 28, then they come back and they say, well, what must we do? And this is what I want to put forth that at this moment, what we see operating here in the people is self-reliance. How am I going to make it happen? How are we going to make it happen? And we, we have this temptation all the time in our lives. And Jesus responds to them as they, as they ask him, what, what, what do we have to do? Just tell us what we got to do, Jesus, and we'll do it. We'll make it happen. This is about us. He says, this is the work of God. This is not about you. The work of God is that you believe in him, meaning me, Jesus. You believe in G- in me, that whom God has sent. That's what God is requiring of you. Look to me, believe in him. And, and we unpacked in a previous podcast in John 3, what it means to believe in Jesus. It's far deeper than just intellectual assent. It's it's about surrendering our lives to him. And so Jesus is once again, he's going to, to this with the crowds. He's saying, this is about you surrendering your life to me. And at this point, the crowd, they respond back to him and they say, well, then what, what will you do for us? How will you serve us, Jesus? What work will you perform to prove yourself to us? Because we'll do it, they're saying, we'll do it. What must we do? We'll do it. Or you better do it for us. 
And, and do you see what's happening here? What's happening is that the crowds are revealing. It's all about them. This is all about self. And when we get into this response in our lives, where just tell me what I got to do, God, or Jesus, and, and we, you know, we may not verbalize this, but we can live like this and operate like this, where our expectation is, I expect that Jesus is going to do this for me in my life. I've, I've been a good Christian. I've lived a moral, ethical life. Whatever the standards that we've placed on ourselves. And now, Jesus, I expect you to do this for me. What are you going to do for me? And when this happens, and, and as, the, as the people, as they say this to Jesus, then they even, they cite scripture. And they cite the past works of God as the foundation of of their reasoning for why they're being like this. You need, what they're saying to Jesus is, you need to actually prove yourself like Moses. And and the, the reason they're saying this, when you pull back the cover, is because they doubt and they mistrust Jesus. It's about them. What must I do or what will you do for me? This is the epicenter of the human condition. I'll do it or you will serve my desires, Jesus, and my wants. And what Jesus does here in the context of this conversation with the crowds, he just pointedly and very clearly turns their self-absorbed paradigm on its head. He says, actually, it's not about what you can do. It's not about what I'm going to do for you. You simply need me. In me is the life that you need. This is, this is what prefaces Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. It's at this point right away where Jesus says, look, you need to come to Jesus. You need me. It's not about anything else. In fact, even in verse 44, it's, he says, but no one comes without the Father drawing them. So even in this coming to Jesus, it's not about us. It's about the Father drawing us. It is the surrender of self-reliance in our lives. And so when we speak of following the way of Jesus, it involves commitment to spiritual formation because this is necessary to bring about the inner transformation that is to define followers of Jesus. Those who are led by the Spirit and have surrendered their lives to his purposes. This is what it means to follow that way. Self-autonomy, self-reliance, it's the heartbeat of our culture today. Absolutely. It's everywhere, but it is in direct opposition to the way of Jesus. That defective heart posture, I'll do it myself, I'll make it happen, that will lead us away at every point from the way of Jesus. And so, thinking about what this means to in Jesus and what it means to come to him, what it means to believe in him, what he speaks of here, thinking about this, how this is meant to be effectual in every corner and every crevice of our lives. This is necessary work for us to do, to think deeply about this, to search scripture, to surrender, surrender our ways to what we find in scripture to meditate on that and to surrender that to the Lord. Because at the forefront of this issue is dealing with the issue that we all at times can be tempted to operate in of 
what Jesus can do for me in a self-serving motive. Because yes, Jesus has done lots for us and we're grateful for that and he's our savior. And that's, that's the good part of what we receive from the Lord. But there's another way where we can, in a self-serving way, expect that Jesus will do certain things for us, expect that our lives will grow a certain way, expect that he'll uh, allow certain things to happen or make certain things happen. We all can, fa- can fall into believing that that's how this life works. I do this and I live like this and therefore God will do this. And, and we can twist and misinterpret promises in scripture to be very self-serving. And so at the forefront of this issue is dealing with that or the other issue of what I need to do, meaning it becomes all about me and being self-reliant. And what I want to put forth is that we are to be self-deficient and Jesus-sufficient in every way possible in our lives. I want to end by reading something that Dallas Willard says about those who are surrendered to the way of Jesus. He refers to us here as those who are the children of light. He says, looking a little deeper, we find that these children of light really are devoted to doing what is good and right. Their will is habitually attuned to it, just as their mind and emotions are habitually homing in on God. They are attentive to rightness, to kindness, to helpfulness, and they are purposefully knowledgeable about life, about what people need, and about how to do what is right and good in appropriate ways. These are people who do not think first of themselves and what they want, and they really care very little, if at all, about getting their own way. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4. These are easy and good words to them. They are abandoned to God's will and do not struggle and deliver deliberate as to whether they will do what they know to be wrong. They do not hesitate to do what they know to be right. It is the obvious thing to do. Those are our words to to think deeply about and to meditate on because it really what it's speaking about there is the surrender to self-reliance and the surrender to self-autonomy. It's surrendering in every way to the way of Jesus and how he lives. As you go forth today, I want to bless you as we consider these words and consider what Jesus is calling to. Let's remember that Jesus invites us into this relationship. He invites us into receiving him as the bread of life. And he's, he says there in John 6, when he, when he says that he's the bread of life, he, the promise is that as we come to him and as we surrender ourselves to him, we'll never hunger and we'll never thirst. What an incredible promise. Let's receive that today. Bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll see you again. Thank you.